turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, let me encourage you to grab one in the pew in front of you. If you're watching online or listening by radio, I encourage you to grab a Bible as well. We love to dig into God's Word together, and we've been going through 2 Corinthians uh, from the very beginning, and we have this week and next week left as we're wrapping up this letter uh, that Paul and some of the apostles wrote to the Corinthian church. And we're going to jump right into uh, verse 16 in the middle of 2 Corinthians 11. If you were with us uh, for the past couple of weeks, you know that Paul has kind of now centered his focus on one of the main issues that he was addressing with this letter. And that was some of the false teachers who were bringing false teaching into the church, but also undermining the apostles by claiming to be superior apostles uh, to those that God had ordained in those positions. And so Paul had spent some time uh, pointing out their errors, pointing out how they were misguiding the church in a lot of ways. But here in the middle of chapter 11, what he's going to do uh, now at this point is because the Corinthian church had been caught up in some of the, um, I guess in, for lack of better words, bragging that the apostles had done based on kind of a worldly standard of viewing success, he's going to take a few minutes and show kind of how silly that, uh, that viewpoint is. Appreciate your all's service. Be praying for you guys. They um, worked for our EMS, so I appreciate them. Uh, but we're going to look here at how... Um, So many uh, people had been misled, and Paul's going to argue here how silly it is to look from a worldly standard of success, a worldly standard of boasting, and then he's going to turn our attention to what we really need to be thinking about and paying attention to in the kingdom. So look at verse 16, 2 Corinthians 11. He writes, I repeat, let no one consider me a fool. But if you do, at least accept me as a fool so that I can also boast a little. What I'm saying in this matter of boasting, I don't speak as the Lord would, but as it were foolishly. Since many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For you being so wise, gladly put up with fools. In fact, you put up with it if someone enslaves you, if someone exploits you, if someone takes advantage of you, if someone is arrogant towards you. If someone slaps you in the face, I say this to our shame. We have been too weak for that. But in whatever anyone dares to boast, I'm talking foolishly, I also dare. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm talking like a madman. I'm a better one with far more labors many more imprisonments, far worse beatings, many times near death. Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night and a day in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, Dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, and dangers among false brothers. Toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold, without clothing, not to mention other things. There is the daily pressure on me, my concern for all the churches. Who is weak 
and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I don't burn with indignation? If boasting is necessary, I will boast about my weaknesses. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, who's blessed forever, knows I'm not lying. In Damascus, a ruler under King Aretas guarded the city of Damascus in order to arrest me. So I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Boasting is necessary. It's not profitable, but I'll move on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. Whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. I know that this man, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a human being is not allowed to speak. I will boast about this person, but not about myself, except of my weaknesses. For if I want to boast, I wouldn't be a fool because it would would be telling the truth, but I will spare you so that no one can credit me with something beyond what he sees in me or hears from me, especially because of the extraordinary revelations. Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me so that I wouldn't exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weaknesses. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Father, we thank you for your word today. And I pray for all of us as we consider the areas where we're weak. Lord, as we think about those, and maybe we've been viewing them wrongly in some ways, I pray through your word you will help us to view them in the way that you do, and we will leave here with a closer relationship and closer trust in you because of that. Move through your spirit now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, a few weeks ago, I was at the ballpark uh, with my family. We were leaving a ball game, and apparently someone had left their lights on in the car the entire time. And I was, as I was heading to the car, I noticed they were trying to uh, get the jumper cables on the battery and jump it off of another vehicle. And I just happened to look and noticed that they had, or were getting ready to cross the jumper cables over on the two batteries. Now, I knew that was a bad thing, and it's not because I'm a car guy. I'm not a car guy at all, but I Googled and YouTubed on how to put jumper cables on enough times that I know not to cross it over. Now, I don't know what it does if you cross it over, but in my mind, it was going to blow up or something. It was going to be bad. And so I, I had to tell them, hey, I think you got those on backwards. And they listened to me. They were, oh, thank you so much for telling me. And they fixed them because if that were to be backwards, I know that would be a bad thing. Listen, in life, there are a lot of things that we want to get right, but you know what's funny? I was thinking about this this week. There are a lot of things in the kingdom of God, a lot of principles in the kingdom of God that are seemingly backwards from the world's way of thinking. I'll give you some examples. One of the things that Jesus says is that if you want to be great in the kingdom, to be a servant. 
He puts it a different way. The first will be last, and the last will be first. That's backwards to our way of thinking. In the world's way of thinking, we're wanting to climb our way up the ladder and be first and impress people and all that. But Jesus says to be first, you've got to be last. Another example of things that are backwards in the kingdom. Jesus doesn't just say to love people who love you. He says to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. Another example of something that we get backwards uh, or that we think about backwards in the world from how it is in the kingdom, Jesus says that if you want to gain your life, you actually have to lose it for the cause of Christ. Now today in this passage, we're going to come to something that's a little bit of a backwards way of thinking from how we typically think. You know, instead of being proud of ourselves uh, like we normally do, and upset about our weaknesses. You know, that's how a lot of times uh, our lives are, right? We think about things we do well, and we get proud of those things. We think about areas that we're weak, and we get down about those things. But this passage is going to show us that instead of doing that, in the kingdom of God, it's actually reversed. Now, I want you to think about your life for just a second. There are probably certain days that you feel like, man, I really lived how I needed to live for the kingdom of God today. And you really feel proud of yourself. Or maybe you think about your abilities and your talents and the things you can do well. And there are moments in your life that, just like probably all of us, that we feel proud about what we've done. And then there are areas that we feel like we're weak in. We get down about those things. And if it's a real struggle for us, we begin to ask questions like this. Why did God make me this way? Why did God give me these weaknesses? Why is he making me go through this? Why doesn't he remove this sickness from me? Why, doesn't, why do I have to go through this hardship? And maybe in your life, when you think about an area of weakness, maybe it's something recent, maybe it's something you've had your whole life, you've prayed over and over and over for God to do something about that, and seemingly nothing has happened. And you think, well, why hasn't God done anything? I want to ask a couple of different questions today as we go to this text. I want us to think about in our areas of weakness, what could God actually be doing in the midst of our difficulties, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our weaknesses, what could God do through us and in us in the middle of all of that? But not only that, I want to look at this passage today and think about kind of a backwards question. What are the benefits of weaknesses? And today I've entitled the message, Why You Can Be Thankful for Weaknesses. Now that's, again, that's kind of backwards to even say that, isn't it? Why you can be thankful for weaknesses? Well, we're going to see from God's Word today why that's true. And again, as we look to this passage, let me explain to you kind of what Paul is doing here. He goes through a whole list of, of from a human perspective, accolades that a lot, a lot of these uh, super apostles, as he's called them, these, these false teachers, have put on the Corinthian church and said, look how great we are. And Paul, over and over, through going through his accolades from a human perspective, talks about, you know, he says, I'm being foolish. I'm talking like a madman. He's letting them know it's even silly to consider, but he's trying to defend his ministry. And he goes through all this list of things, his uh, background, his upbringing, uh, his 
you know, where he's learned, his family, those kind of things. He even goes into visions and revelations, and he's trying to be as humble as possible by talking about himself in third person. Now, again, it, it's, he's going through this and saying how foolish and crazy this is, but then he reminds them that if we get ourselves to a point of getting prideful about what we're boasting about, our accolades, the things that we do well, what happens when we do that? Look at verse 7 of chapter 12. After he goes through all of these things that a lot of people would probably be amazed at, look at what he said happened to him. He says in the middle of verse 7, Therefore, so that I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so that I would not exalt myself. So he's telling them here, in the middle of exalting ourselves, what typically happens, and God's word says this happens, is that pride goes before what? A fall. We get humbled when we're prideful. Something comes along and it humbles us. And I think it's good for us to stop and think about our weaknesses because it keeps everything in perspective. Here, uh, over the last several months, I've been going with Angelo uh, to work out. And, you know, one of the things that's fun about working out is you can lift weights and try to do better than you did the last time and all of those kind of things. Well, you know, I'll be maybe having a time of working out and I'll feel so strong. I'll be like, man, I'm really lifting some serious weight today. And then it'll be his turn and he'll say, add some more weight to that. And it humbles me really quickly <laughs> because I realize I'm not as strong as I think I am, right? And, and, but listen, whether it's physical weakness like that or just weaknesses in general, listen, we could all use a dose of humility. And I think that's the first reason why we can be thankful for our weaknesses is that our weaknesses create humility. Our weaknesses create humility. Now, Paul talked about his weakness in this way. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Now, I've never had a thorn in the flesh per se, but I have had a splinter in the flesh. And I know what a splinter in the flesh feels like. If you've ever had one of those, it, it hurts, it throbs, it, it's a nuisance, and it will continue to do that until you do something to remove it. Now, this thorn in the flesh that he had, we're unsure of what it could be, but we know that it was something that was constantly aggravating to him. Some believe this could be a temptation that he had, that just for whatever reason, he, he couldn't kick it. Poor eyesight, maybe. And there are some uh, letters that he's written that alludes to the fact of him possibly having poor eyesight. Something that could have been like sickness or a speech disability. He talks about frequently not being the best speaker. And there are some who believe that maybe this could have been a person that was con constantly making his ministry difficult. But no matter what this thorn was, it was obvious that it was something that just constantly brought him down to the point that he called this a weakness. And I think there's a reason why he didn't tell us what this thorn was. I think partly because he wasn't trying to bring any attention to himself in this way. But I think a bigger reason for us today is so that way we can consider what our thorns could be. When you consider your life, what is that thorn in the flesh for you? Now listen, we all have them. We come in here on Sunday mornings and we ask each other, hey, how, how are you doing? How's your week? And we're all like, oh, great, great. But listen, we all have weaknesses. 
We all have struggles. We all have difficulties. So what is your thorn in the flesh? Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a temptation. Perhaps for you it's a financial difficulty. Maybe it's a mental or emotional struggle that you've had for years. Maybe even something like what Paul talked about, some kind of persecution or opposition that you're receiving for your faith at work or in your family. Maybe it's some other area of weakness. But as you consider your own thorn today, I want you to stop and think about this for just a second. Imagine if you had no weaknesses at all. Imagine if everything in your life were a bed of roses and you were great at everything. What do you think your attitude would be about yourself? I think you would get pretty prideful. I know I would. Man, if everything were great in my life and everything I did were just perfect, it would be easy to take our eyes off of God and begin to worship ourselves. And if you think about it, that's exactly what happened at the Tower of Babel. You remember that story? When they said, let's show people how great and awesome we are, how powerful we are, they became prideful and then God had to humble them. Why? Because anytime we become prideful, it takes our eyes off of God. Psalm 10, verse 4, the New International Version says this. Listen to this. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. Talking about God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Now we see how essential humility is. And one reason we can be thankful for our weaknesses is because it keeps us humble and helps keep our eyes and our minds focused on God instead of ourselves. Even with everything we may feel like we're able to do, we're reminded in our weaknesses that we are not all powerful, but that God is. Now, Paul didn't like his weaknesses at first, but he realized that there actually was another benefit from it. It not only made him humble, but look at verse 8, what he says he did here. He says, concerning this, this is talking about his weakness, his thorn in the flesh, concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it would leave me. And as he described this, I just imagine him, that word pleaded, I just imagine him begging God, God, please remove this. He found himself so weak, so broken, so bothered by this, that he went to God consistently, begging God to take this thing away. But this actually produced another reason that we can be thankful for our weaknesses, is that our weaknesses create a dependence on Christ. Our weaknesses create dependence on Christ. Listen, when you depend upon Jesus, I want you to hear me clearly. When you depend upon Jesus, there is no better place in life that you can be. When you learn to take your life and put it into Jesus' hands and fully depend on him, there is no better place that you can be in life. Our weaknesses teach us important things like praying without ceasing. Man, there's probably something in your life that you've prayed for and prayed for and prayed for, and through that weakness, through that issue, God is teaching you to repeatedly come to him in prayer. 
maybe through your weakness, every single morning, you have to get up and fully depend upon God when you put on that armor of God to say, the only way I can walk the way that God wants me to walk today because I am weak is by putting on his armor, by living by the Spirit, doing what the Spirit tells me to do. And in that, guess what else happens? You produce the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of these things begin exuding from your life. Why? Because you learn to lean and depend on Christ instead of yourself. All of these things are ways that, that God works in our lives to grow our faith, to grow our trust in the Lord. And we should learn to fully depend upon him. I think about uh, one of the relationships in my life that uh, has taught me so much about what it looks like to depend upon Christ is the relationship I have with my kids. And I, I don't think it's any accident that Jesus used children over and over as an illustration for how we should be living uh, as Christians. You know, it, there's not a morning that goes by that my son Rhett, he's three, uh, that he doesn't come to me and say, Dad, I want some apple juice. Now, the reason he's telling me that he wants apple juice is because he can't get it for himself. Now, there are some mornings that I'm just like, man, i got to go make some more apple juice, you know, and I'll be in the middle of something, and I've got to do that. But I know there will come a day that I'll wake up, and he's made his own apple juice. And there's just something about that dependence right now that shows, man, he needs me. He has to have me in his life or else there are certain things that he can't do. Listen, that's the way we should be with Christ. There are plenty of things that we cannot do without Christ, and we should learn to depend upon him. I think one of the most damaging quotes that we have in Christianity that you won't find in the Bible actually stands in opposition to what we're talking about here. And many of you have probably heard this at some time in your life. We say, God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. But you know, I look at this situation that we look at in 2 Corinthians and I say, tell that to Paul. You know, Paul certainly felt like he had more than he could handle. And that's why he went to God and begged him multiple times, God, please remove this. There, listen, there are certain things in life that you cannot handle. And I want to tell you today, that you don't have to handle it on your own. In fact, you're not supposed to. Remember what Jesus said in John 15, 5? He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. We have to learn to be dependent upon Christ. And maybe for you right now in your life, you look at your life and you think, you know, my whole life I've been dependent upon myself. I've never given my life over to Christ. The Bible says clearly, if we try to live this life on our own, the only thing that we are headed for is death. And not just physical death, but we've already experienced a spiritual death that will lead us to hell one day. And Jesus taught more about hell than he did about heaven, and I think there is a reason for that because we don't like to think about it. But that is the reality. The Bible says that there is no one good apart from the righteousness of Christ. And that's the reason Jesus came. We all have sinned. 
We all have fallen short. We all are headed for hell. But Jesus came and lived a sinless life that none of us could live. He died on the cross taking the sin of the world upon himself. And three days later, he came back to life. And the Bible says that when you depend upon Christ, meaning when you put your faith and trust fully in him, it's only then that you can be saved. It's only then that you can experience life. It's only then that you can produce the fruit that God wants to bring forth in your life. And so if that's you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, let me encourage you. You can even do it now in your heart. Say, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross and came back to life for me. I want to be saved, and I want to follow him. And the Bible says when we make a decision to follow Jesus, to lean upon him, depend upon him, our lives will be forever changed. If you make that decision today, I would love to talk to you more about next steps of baptism and what it looks like to follow Christ. would love to celebrate that with you. But listen, I know in a room this size of folks who come to church each week, while there may be some who haven't given their lives to Christ, I know that there are many who have here. And maybe in your life at this point in time, when it comes to your weaknesses, you've forgotten to lean upon Jesus. Lean upon him. You look here, Paul prayed three times. Now, I want us to consider here for a second, though. God's word tells us, keep asking, seeking, knocking, keep praying. And maybe your thing is, you know, Pastor, I have gone to God and prayed about my weaknesses. But God hasn't done anything. You look at Paul's situation. He went and begged God three times, he said, that this thorn in the flesh would lead, leave him. But what does he say? Verse 9. Look at verse 9. Here's what he says back to him. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. In other words, and this is another reason we can be thankful, our weaknesses allow people to see Christ's power. Now, let me just say up front, all of us probably would like Christ's power, what we see in us, Christ's power on display to be removing our weakness, right? I mean, that's what we're praying about. God, show your power, remove this thorn, remove this weakness, remove this situation. That's the power we want. But what if God's desire is to display his power through you in other ways? You know, think about it. When you have gone through a difficult time or you see somebody else going through a difficult time, Think about the power of Christ that's on display in their life when they decide that they are going to step out in faith and trust God's plan no matter what. Man, probably many of us have seen people and we're like, man, how do they have that kind of faith? It's God's grace, God's power on display in their lives. Man, and there's something about it that, that just amazes us. Or maybe in your life, think about God's power on display when there's that temptation that you face every day. 
but yet you're able to withstand it. Why? Because God's working through you. Man, that's God's power, God's grace on display in amazing ways in your life. When the joy of following God shines through in the midst of difficult circumstances, when it's not your strength on display in your situation, but God's strength. I was super encouraged this week when I uh, read a quote from a lady named Joni Erickson Tata. I don't know if you've ever heard of this lady, but she's 73 years old now, and at the age of 17, she was paralyzed uh, after a um, swimming accident, paralyzed from the shoulders down. And she's had a ministry for many years. And you can imagine what that would be like to go from, uh, you know, enjoying life in a lot of those ways at the age of 17 to then being paralyzed and being confined to a wheelchair for the rest of your life. And here's what she said. She said, I hope I can have my wheelchair in heaven with me. I would walk up to my Savior and say, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair? You were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble because that thing was a lot of trouble. But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. It never would have happened had you not given me the bruising of the blessing of that wheelchair. And I think about our lives, and it makes me ask the question, what could God do through us if our greatest desire were not to live an easy life, but to live a life that glorified Christ? Man, when you depend upon Christ, you'll find the greatest strength you've ever found through Christ's power, and people will see his grace, his power on display in your life, even in the midst of weakness, and they'll say, I want that. I want that. Today, maybe you came into this place angry at God for a weakness, for a thorn. And I'll be honest, there are many times in my life that I've questioned, why God, why, why does this have to happen? I want you to know today, God hasn't forgotten you. But your weaknesses can and do serve a purpose. God wants to teach all of us through our weaknesses to be humble, to lean upon him, and he wants to show us his power on great display in the midst of our weaknesses. Today, I want to encourage you, give your life, weaknesses and all, over to God. You see, when we view our weaknesses through his lens instead of ours, we'll be able to say what Paul said in verse 10. Look at what he says. So I take pleasure in weaknesses. Now, that's backwards. But this is what Christ's power does through us. So I take pleasure in weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. Why? For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When we trust God through our weaknesses, we will glorify God we'll find ourselves to be the strongest we've ever been. Not because of us, but all because of Christ. Father, we thank you so much today. As strange as it sounds, for our weaknesses.
It sounds strange to us, but God, we know that in the midst of our weaknesses that you are doing something. Lord, we don't know exactly what it is. We can see some things kind of palely, but Lord, we know that you're up to something. And so, Lord, help us to lean upon you, to depend upon you, and trust you in times of weakness. Lord, I pray for that person here today who's maybe lived their whole life depending on themselves. I pray that today would be their day of salvation, that they would learn to place their lives fully in your hands. Lord, for each of us, as we live our lives and forget sometimes that we have to look to you instead of ourselves, Lord, help us to be reminded of that. Help us not be angry about our weaknesses, but to trust you and to see your work somehow, some way through them. Lord, we thank you for them. Help us to learn and grow even in those things. Lord, move in our hearts today as we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen.